Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Amen, amen. You may have a seat, church. Well, good morning. You can go and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, and they have this fancy thing in most Bibles called the table of contents. Use it. Use it. Ain't no shame in the table of contents. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, and if you're here for the first time, like we mentioned, well, we're glad you're here, but this is a special day because we're celebrating our two-year anniversary, two years of us being a church and God's faithfulness, amen? And so listen, and so you see all the new shirts, and so what we're like right now, uh, you may have thought, man, everybody's wearing the same shirts, I walk into a cult, you did not. You did not, okay? We're, we're, like new, we're like little kids. You know, you get a new toy, or maybe like husbands. You get a new toy, right, and you want to use it, you want to play with it. We got new shirts. We want to wear them. And we thought this is a great day as we celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness today to wear our new shirts. So that's why you see what you see. So if you all the place, we're sorry. There are shirts all around. Take one home. They're for you. Amen? All right, all right. Well, listen, if you're note-taking this morning, you can title this sermon, Remember. If you don't remember it, then the shame on you, because we're going to be saying remember, remember, remember a lot. Remember is the title of this sermon. Remember. Why? We're remembering God's faithfulness. And there's a lot to remember in the life of this church, throughout history, and in your life. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to set aside the first week in March every single year that the Lord will allow for us to remember. Because it's good. And that's what we're going to see. We need to remember. And so as you find your way to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, because I know that's in your Bible reading plan that you're just entrenched in for joyful reading. I know you're there already. But let's go through what God's done in the life of this church. And what I don't want you to leave with is that church has done a lot of good things, or that church is busy or whatever. It's God has done some amazing things through this young church in ways that only he has. It started March 1st, 2020. Y'all remember March 2020? Yeah, you will never forget March 2020. March 1st, 2020 was our first public worship gathering as a church, which was a good day. March 1st was great. March 8th was great. March 15th, not so much. Not so much. COVID became a thing that was well known. The world shut down. We still met March 15th, 2020. But March 22nd, that following Sunday... Uh, we went online only, so we had to scramble because we had nothing to, to prep for for online services. We're a new church. We're just th- thankful to be meeting, let alone go online. But we did because we have a, a, a team of just servant-hearted people that just put all their efforts into going online. March 29th, we started meeting in the parking lot. And from March 29th through mid-October 2020, we had worship in a parking lot. We called it drive-up church, but if we're honest, it looked more like tailgate church. We didn't call it Chile Church for obvious reasons, but that's what it looked like, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, But this last year, 2021 for us, was just an amazing movement of God. And throughout this whole time, we go back to what our name means, the way. It comes because Jesus said the most exclusive and yet inclusive statement that could be made. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Exclusive in the fact that Jesus is the only way to have your relationship restored with the God you were created to know. Inclusive is that that invitation is open for everyone who would believe. 
This is the good news of the gospel, and this is the good news that this church has been founded on to make known because there's hope in Jesus alone. So how have we done that? Well, 2020 was amazing. 2021 was a busy year, but God's been so faithful. We've been through various neighborhoods throughout the year, just meeting our neighbors, praying for our neighbors, sharing the gospel with our neighbors, and seeing people come to faith, praise God. We've hosted several carnivals at Short Pump Park in a way to minister and get to know our neighbors, which has been an amazing opportunity. We have a lot of good relationships built there. Just recently, these past six months, we've walked alongside another local church who was in transition in their life. They were a dying church and trying to figure out what they were going to do next, and God would allow us to come alongside them and walk with them and guide them and help them and encourage them, provide pulpit supply for them, encouragement, help them into the way they transitioned well. Now, that just as of this week, they found another church to merge with that's going to be a great gospel-advancing opportunity in this area. So thank you for your faithfulness because this church is about coming alongside of other churches and other Christians for the sake of the Great Commission to reach this area. This is not a sandbox church. So if you're looking for that, you're in the wrong place. Amen? We continue to partner with Courage to Care Outreach. And so we've done that in various ways. They're a homeless ministry that focuses on inner Richmond in the name of Jesus. And that's important. In the name of Jesus, they're meeting a lot of needs. We started a partnership with RVA Hope Center, which is ministering down to Creighton and Mosby Courts of Richmond. And so a great gospel work being made there, and so we're partnering with them. And beyond our area, which is local and beyond, I don't know if you remember this, it seems like so far long ago, but this Afghan refugee crisis that we experienced, God would have our church have a part in ministering to Afghanistan refugees at Fort Lee. We were a part of that by God's grace. We, a couple months ago, or actually a couple, several weeks ago now, we hosted a Compassion Sunday here, where By God's grace and your faithfulness, we were able to rescue almost 20 children out of extreme poverty in the nations and bring the gospel to them. Praise God. It's something that we haven't talked about much, but we need to more. And every time I have an opportunity to talk to another church, we tell them this story. The middle of last year, we were a year and a half old, and we had about five, a little bit more, of amazing church partnerships that would invest in this church to see us get established. They were praying, they were giving, they would come alongside of us. In the middle of last year, we were able to say to them, we're so grateful for the financial contributions that you have faithfully made to help us get financially stable by God's grace. But God's been faithful in a way that's unprecedented. We are financially stable. We would love for you to take your money and put it towards another church plant. And you may not know this, but this is an amazing move of God that's just revolutionary in church planting life. That just doesn't happen. On top of being a COVID year, when we're supposed to be socially distant and isolated, God was building a church and bringing the people together. Only God. This is what we're reflecting on. Only God. And so not only do we say, you know, move your finances in a God-glorifying way to other church plants, but now we have transitioned to now partnering to see two other church plants get established by praying, giving, and going. So we are actively seeing and coming alongside these two plant, church plants to get going and established. One in Puerto Rico, the Way of Grace Baptist Church, and one in Fredericksburg, Impact Church. So only God can do something like that. This past year, we took our first mission trip to Puerto Rico to partner with the Way of Grace Baptist Church. And we have two more planned this year we'll get, there, we'll get to. But through that, that partnership, we've seen several people come to faith while we're down there. We've seen the church encouraged. It's just an amazing movement of God. And one last thing about this last year that many of you don't know, and we'll talk about more, 
as God has opened up a, an avenue for us to partner in a country that is closed, it's an Islamic country, within the 1040 window. 1040 window. This is an area that spans across North Africa, goes into Asia, and across uh, the Middle East. Closed, unreached by and large. And yet God's opened up an avenue for us to engage a work that God is moving through this country. And so we have been distant remotely training church leaders through two different conferences this year, 50 people about in each conference, because of work that God's doing, they're trying to catch up to build church leaders to what God's pouring out there in this remote area that I can't reference here because it's online streaming, but we'll talk about it a little bit more later. But in that area, just, just real quick, what God's doing, last year they have seen 1,046 people come to faith and be baptized. And baptized. And that's important. Not only is God pouring out spirit, but they're risking their life to publicly declare through baptism, obedience in Christ, who they are and what God is doing. Already this year alone, what is it, March? 212 people have already been baptized this year in that small region. With more scheduled this week. So we have an opportunity to partner in going to unreached places right now. So praise God for what he's doing. Again, this upcoming year, what we're looking to do. Because we're going to continue to push our faith accelerator because that's what God would have us to do. Listen, we, are just, we can drift towards apathy and inwardness, and we're not going to do that. So we're going to keep going to our community because that's what God's doing. And so this year, we have several things going on. Easter weekend, Saturday before Easter, go ahead and mark your calendars, block it out. You guys aren't going anywhere besides here, right? Saturday, April 16th, we're hosting another carnival at Short Pump Park. And so we're having other partner churches come alongside us so you can be there to meet our neighbors and get to know them and share the hope that's in Jesus with them. We're having a fall carnival again this year. We're continuing to push who's your one. Who's your one? Who's one person in your areas of influence that you're praying for that doesn't know Jesus? Who's the one person that you're looking for the opportunity to share the hope that's in Jesus? Who's your one? So here's the deal. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that you... You don't take anything with you, right? We don't store up our treasures on earth, but in heaven. So we can't take anything with us except one thing. You take people with you. You take people with you. So what are we doing about it? So this is what we're doing about it. We're going to have your Who's Your One initiative. So who are you praying for and looking for the opportunity to share the gospel? And many of us don't share the gospel because we don't know how. Let's just be honest. Like, it seems so simple, yet we're afraid to do it. Well, I'm glad you're here. Because next Sunday, we're having a gospel sharing, training, following worship right here. So sign up for that. Register. Let us know you're coming so we can prepare for that opportunity. So that will be next Sunday. The following Saturday, March 19th, we're going out and putting it in practice. Again, we're going to our neighborhoods, and we're going to go pray, meet our neighbors, and look for opportunities to share the hope that's in Jesus with our neighbors. This is what we do. Not just the waitress, but this is what Christians do. We have hope that we share. We're continuing to look forward to our partnerships with Courage Care and RVA Hope Center. We're continuing our partnerships with Way of Grace Baptist Church in Puerto Rico and in Fredericksburg. And we, this year, we have two mission trips scheduled for Puerto Rico next month, right? And so, listen, we put this out months ago so you can plan. So I know you've planned. you blocked out these dates. Now it's time to make your reservation. So we're going next month and then also in October. There's still room, but the timeline is coming to an end. So let us know. And then, obviously, we're... 
continue that partnership in this closed country that we talked about. And so this year we have the opportunity, or this week we have the opportunity to give a devotional, inspirational message based on God's word before these baptisms take place. And these, these church leaders are looking to put together a seminary that they want us to be a part of in leading and cultivating this church planting movement. Again, only God. Only God. And that's what I want you to take away from this. I want us to remember what God's doing and we're going to walk in boldness and in faith on what he will continue to do in this church. He's planted us here for a reason, to be here, to reach here, and to go to the ends of the earth. And it goes back to our mission statement. It's not just something we put on banners. We exist to love God, love others, and make disciples who go to our neighbors and nations with the gospel of Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we do. And by God's grace, he has done some amazing things over the past two years. But we need to remember. So that's why we're here. We're going to remember not just what the way church has done, because it's what God has done through the way church. And we need to remember that. But we're going to look back over the course of history and how God called his people to remember and why. And then how does that apply to you? What's that have to do with me? Why does it matter? And so as we go through this time together, just ask this question to yourself. How has God been faithful in your life? You. How has God been faithful in your life? Whether your life has been, you're 10 years old, 70 years old. How has God been faithful in your life? And this is what brings us to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. In this context, here God has called Moses to prepare the Israelite people to finally enter into the promised land that he promised, that God had promised to them. Because it goes back years and years prior to Genesis chapter 12 in his promise to Abraham. You know Father Abraham? Father, many sons, many sons said Father Abraham. I'm one of them. So are you. So I just test to see who's been grown up in church. Yeah. But Father Abraham, God made an amazing promise to Father Abraham. That one, he'd be a father of many nations. And two, there's going to be a land that he'll go to that God will show him. And now we're at the point that God is preparing his people to enter in this promised land. And so he says this in Deuteronomy 4, 9, through Moses, he says, Only, this is to the Israelites, only be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen and so that they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. So the question has to be asked, what are they to remember? Simply put, God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And this is what we're going to see. When God's faithfulness slips from your mind, fear and doubt slip in. They just do. I don't care if you're in middle school, high school, college, you have a family, you're retired. This transcends all generations. And so this command we see in Deuteronomy 4.9 follows a lengthy, lengthy track record of the Israelites having a slippery memory. That's what we're going to see. And it goes back to Exodus. Exodus 1. In Exodus 1, chapters 1 and 3, or 1 through 3, we see the Israelites go from a large family to now a, a big people resembles a nation in Egypt. And the Egyptian rulers have changed, and now they see this Israelite community become a threat. They become too big. And so what do they do? They start oppressing them. They start, they're enslaved, treating them badly, cruelly. 
So the Israelites have gone from a, a time that they were just flourishing, having everything they wanted, to now being severely mistreated. And they found themselves in a helpless, hopeless, seemingly situation. So what did they do? They prayed. This is noteworthy. What did they do when they found themselves to be helpless in what seemed to be a hopeless situation? They prayed. Because there's only God that could do anything about what they found themselves in. And the crazy thing is that God actually heard them and responded. Can you believe that? I mean, we, when we pray sometimes, we don't really think like, I don't think we really believe that. But God heard him, and he did something about it, and he did something about it through a man named Moses, who Moses encountered God while in the wilderness. Had this encounter with God. And so God now led Moses while these people were praying. Moses comes, and God would lead Moses to demonstrate God's power through ten plagues poured out on the Egyptians. Again, this is to demonstrate God's power and who he was and how faithful he is to his people. And obviously we remember the tenth plague was the plague of the Passover. If you don't remember, this is fine, but it's good for us to remember because Jesus fulfills what we see in this tenth plague. It was the plague of the Passover. That is, they were prepared, the Israelites were to prepare a meal. They were to sacrifice a perfect spotless lamb. And then after they sacrificed it, they were to put the blood of this lamb on the wooden posts of their house. And so that when God poured out his wrath, it would pass over those who had the blood on the house. Now, what made that blood effective wasn't the fact that the blood was there, because there was nothing special about the lamb. It was a faith and trust in the Lord who called them to do this, and they acted in obedience, knowing that he would, because God's faithful. And this points toward what we see in Jesus. This is what we see in Jesus. This is the good news of the gospel, that they did nothing but believe. That's how God saved them. In the same way, Jesus fulfills what we see in that Passover. He is a perfect spotless lamb that was sacrificed on our behalf. His blood on the wooden post. And so by faith that that blood applied and is for you, forgiveness of sin, you are now made right, righteous, because of the right one who did it on your behalf. So looking forward, we see that. And this is what we see. After the Passover was done, they're getting ready to leave Egypt, these Israelites. In Exodus 13, Verse 3 says, Moses said to the people, remember this day. That's noteworthy. Remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out here by the strength of his hand. So who did it? God. Remember this day, what God did for you. Now to me, this seems like an amazing faith-building experience that they would remember. Just saying well, as they fled Egypt, they came and they found themselves between a rock and a hard place. More specifically, between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army that was now chasing after them because they had to change of mind. And so what did the Israelites do? Once again, they found themselves to be helpless in what seemed like a hopeless situation. So you would think, they saw the power of prayer before, that we need to pray to God because he already fought our battles once, right? Well... Exodus 14, 11 says this. 
they, being the Israelites, said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't that interesting? So when faced with fear, they forgot, one, where they come from, and two, God's faithfulness. When faced with fear, they forgot. And so what did God do? He made a way. He parted the Red Seas, walls of sea between them, and a dry path where they walked along this dry ground through the Red Sea. God did that. Now, when I was thinking about that, I'm thinking, what would that have been like? I, I remember several times in our family's life, we've gone to aquariums. And one of my favorite parts of aquariums, kind of, is when they usually have this tube that you walk in, and you have water around all sides of you, right? You have fish and sharks and all these different things, and it's super cool. And my kids are like, oh, Daddy, the shark. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, look how thin this tube is, right? I wonder what that's what it was like. As they walked along dry ground, seeing these walls of water, on both sides, what that would have been like. And after they passed through, the Egyptian army said, you know what, we're going too. We see the way. Then God let the waters collapse and washed away the army. So tell me, who fought the battle? Who saved the people? The Israelites did nothing besides walk. They were even faithless to a point. God fought their battles. So to me, this seems like an amazing faith-building experience that they would remember. Maybe that's just me. Three days after the Red Sea miracle, they were journeying. And you know what? They, they came to the point that they couldn't find drinkable water. So again, they find themselves to be helpless in what seemed like a hopeless situation. So what did they do now? Obviously, they would pray to the Lord, right? They seen these amazing movements of God. And yet in verse 24 of Exodus 15, it says, The people grumbled to Moses. What are we going to drink? That grumbled is complained. I know at church life, you don't know what that looks like, complaining against one another, but here they were complaining. Is this amazing? Is this me? Is this amazing? So they complained. When faced with fear, they forgot God's faithfulness. And so what God did, He miraculously made the stream of undrinkable water drinkable. Now, conjecture on my part, okay? This is the same God. This isn't conjecture. This is fact. This is the same God that turns water into wine. So conjecture being, I believe he turned this undrinkable water to not only drinkable water, but it had to taste like what they bottle in those Fiji waters. You know what I'm talking about? This is probably some great water. Because God doesn't give junk. And so again, what we see here is what, to me, seems like an amazing faith-building experience that they would remember. As they traveled more, they would experience a food shortage. What are they going to do? They just can't create food. There's no food. And so again, find themselves helpless in what seemed like a hopeless situation. What they do? Exodus 16 verse 2 says, The Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. When we sat by pots of meat and ate the bread we wanted, instead you brought us out in the wilderness to make us, this whole assembly, die of hunger. When faced with fear, they forgot where they came from. They forgot God's faithfulness. So what did God do? He made it rain. 
Literally, you can, you can read it. That's what it says. Man, it rain bread from heaven. It was new every morning. Like flakes on the ground. And they go on and say, what is it? That's what manna means. It's manna. Manna. And what's crazy to me, they never changed. Over years and years of being fed manna, what is it? It never got its name changed. Every morning, oh, what is it? Go gather, what is it? Give me some, what is it? Anyway, that's just extra. But God provided manna. And again, God doesn't give garbage, so I'm convinced this was Krispy Kreme donuts, hot and ready, sun was on. That's just me. But again, to me, this seems like an amazing faith-building experience that one or maybe a group of folks would remember. And then when they came to a point in their journey where they stopped and God called Moses up the mountain to Mount Sinai. And God was giving Moses the command for the people to follow, to care well for them. And of course, the people being a very patient people, Exodus 32 verse 1 says this. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses... The man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And one, this is a case of misplaced faith. One, who's our faith in at this point? It was Moses. The same Moses they couldn't stand from time to time. Moses brought us out. No, Moses didn't. God brought you out. So let's do something of our own. Let's put our faith in our own selves. You, Aaron, Make this for us, which is crazy that Aaron did it. Isn't that wild? Have you, why in the world did Aaron do it? They found themselves to be helpless in what they seemed as a hopeless situation. So what they do? They created a golden cow to worship. I don't know of all animals. Why a cow? You looked up on your own time. But they created a golden cow, which is crazy to me because at the same time, God was giving Moses the command, commands, and two of the top ten, right? Worship the Lord. Don't make images. What were they doing? They weren't worshiping the Lord. They're making a cow that will go before them. I don't know if they know that, but golden cows don't move. Again, when faced with fear, they forgot God's faithfulness. And finally, despite all of this, God remained faithful to his people and to the promise that he had given his people to enter the promised land. So finally, God led the Israelites to a point to where they're now ready to enter the promised land. After all these events, they're finally ready. And so Moses sent 12 spies out, this Navy SEAL-type recon operation, to spy out the land of Canaan, the, prom the promised land. And obviously, when they go out, these 12 spies, they would have remembered God's faithfulness over the years. And so they're going with a recon operation and to report what they seen, but based on God will be faithful. Well, 10 of the 12 spies give a report, all right. 10 of the 12 say, the land is good, like you said. The fruit is good, like you said. But the cities are large with no way in. The people are strong. They're big. They look like giants. Matter of fact, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. That was 10 of the two spies. But then there was two that remembered God's faithfulness, and their report looked different. Joshua said, don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. It's perspective changing. And if I could sum up what Caleb said, 
Let's roll. That's what he said. He was ready to go that day. He said, now, let's do it. So again, find themselves, obviously helpless, will look like a hopeless situation. This is the two reports that they got. The response, Numbers 14, verse 2 says, all the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. And the whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Our wives and children will become plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Oh, my word. So they said to one another, let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. This is the people. This is God's people. If you ever experienced doubt, you could be a child of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? When they, again, faced fear, they forgot where they come from, and they forgot God's faithfulness. But what's incredibly impactful here, and we have to understand, we cannot miss, is that God's response of faithfulness to their faithless reaction. In Numbers 14, 11, God says, How long will they not trust me? How long will they not trust me, despite all the signs I performed among them? You ever feel that? You ever feel God whispering that to you? How long will you not trust me? Of all that I've done in your life, how long will you not trust me? Also, stop trusting in yourself. That's really what's going on here. But here's the good news. God's faithfulness will never fail due to your faithlessness. I want to take that with you. God's faithfulness will never fail due to your faithlessness. Romans 3.3 says, What then? If some were unfaithful, will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Verse 4, absolutely not. Absolutely not. God remains faithful, yet there are consequences. And what we see here is this entire generation of Israelites that refused to go into Canaan, they would not go into Canaan. They would never see the promised land. It would be for the next generation. And that's what brings us to Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. Only be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves so that you don't forget the things that your eyes have seen. And so they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your grandchildren. And what we see the point here is we need to remember what we knew and their kids need to know what to remember. And the emphasis we see throughout the entirety of Scripture is it's the parent's job to raise their child in the wisdom and the knowledge of the Lord, to remember his faithfulness, to share that, to raise them. It's not the priests of the day. It's not the pastors of today. It's the parents. And so as we see, this Deuteronomy 4.9 passage is one of the many times throughout the Bible God commands his people to remember. All throughout the Bible you see God saying, remember, remember, remember. Why? It's because people are people. We forget, forget, forget. We need to remember. So what about you? What dominates your memories? As you look Throughout the course of your life, what dominates your memories? Have you ever felt helpless in what seemed like a hopeless situation? How has God been faithful 
Or has God's faithfulness slipped from your mind? Personal example, I have several. We have many. But we call them memory markers in our life that we have to remember of God's faithfulness. In 2006, I was still a firefighter with the Air Force. And 2006 was a great year. I was a, a civilian on a military Air Force base, civilian firefighter. And 2006 was a good year for me. I won civilian of the year for that Air Force base because they saw how awesome I was, obviously. You all know that. But no, I did. I won civilian of the year. And what's funny about that, that same year I got notified that my position was being cut and I was losing my job. Isn't that wild? So just when you think you got things under control. So yeah, God, why? Why? I don't understand. In that same year, I found out my mom died. Overdosed on prescription medication. 2006. So 2007, we'd find a job in Georgia, a place we'd never been. Felt like we were going to the wilderness. Took a demotion just so our family would have a job. 2007, we also found out my dad died. Overdose, prescription medication. They weren't married, divorced all my life. Hard years. But what we see looking back, those were memory markers for us because we as a family have never experienced our faith growth more in those two years. We've never experienced God move more in those two years. And looking back, God used that time of growth to call us into first what was youth pastor ministry and then to plant the way church. It goes back to this mile marker moment because God would arrange things in a way that only he could and put us in positions with people in the only way that he could. But in 2006, I couldn't see what would happen in 2009, in 2015, in 2022. But looking back, I can. And so when my doubt starts to creep in, my fear starts to creep in, I remember God was faithful. And he's always been faithful. And this burden to plant the way church became, it came to us in 2018. People call it a call. It's a burden. Felt a burden that God would clarify for this area. And so what became a burden to Rachel and I became what you see here today, two years later. God is faithful. And what I tell people, these two years felt like we've been stumbling our way through as a church. But it's all been God's leading. God is faithful. So what about you? Where do you need to remember God's faithfulness? God's faithful through all of life situations. And we are experiencing as a people, individually, some tough situations. So what do you do when you're faced with fear? So many have lost their jobs. And not only have you lost your job, but now you can't even find one to replace it with. Some of you are caught in the cycle of addiction. That you know you want to break out of, but you feel helpless and hopeless in it. Some of you have experienced some hard things with your spouse. The spouse that you committed forever to be with, for better or worse, and that spouse has found someone better and you feel like the worst. Where's God's faithfulness? Or you see that doctor's call that you went for a visit, the test results came in and they call you in. And they call you in and they start talking about stages and steps and phases. Where's God's faithfulness? This past week, we had a, a reminder 
of feeling helpless in what seemed like potentially a hopeless situation. It could have. We had friends of ours that their toddler ingested some medication, gotten some medication that wasn't supposed to be theirs. Poisoning. Helpless in what seemed like a hopeless situation. So what do you do? You know what they did? I don't know everything. I don't know what they were feeling, but I know what they did. The prayer text started coming out. Their response was, we need prayer. Why? Because God is faithful. Yeah, you're helpless. We're helpless, but God's faithful. And so in these moments of fear, we have to remember, who do we go to? Do we complain against our spouse, our children, our loved ones? Or do we go first to God, I need you to move in my addiction, in my marriage, in my children. There's nothing like kid pain. I need you to move. What do we do? And so we prayed as a family. And they had other families praying for them. And the next morning, we got the report that things were looking better, a lot better. Things have improved. And by God's grace, he's going to be okay. So what do you do when you're faced with fear? Do you try and take it in your own hands? Or do you really surrender it at the feet of Jesus? Do you act like the Israelites who allowed God's presence and provisions to slip from their minds? Or do we say out like Joshua did, don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. And maybe you're having a hard time remembering God's faithfulness over the years. You've experienced a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Well, maybe you need to look out throughout history first and see God's faithfulness like we talked about this morning. And we see God's word in Joshua 1.9. He says, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Matthew 6, Jesus reminds us not to worry. He says, Look at the birds. Aren't they fed? Look at the wildflowers. Aren't they beautiful? You don't worry because of who God is. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you or abandon you. In Matthew 28.20, Jesus says, I am with you always into the end of the age. Always is a lot of things, and to the end of the age is a long time. But don't we forget that? Don't you forget that when you're going through the school hallways or teenagers and have the stress of conforming or being bullied. Families, we have the stresses of providing or the temptation to look towards others for acceptance or the standard. We remember God's with us. He's our provider. He's our protector. So we remember God's faithfulness throughout history, throughout your life, and even looking at others. This real quick story about George Mueller. I don't know if many of you know George Mueller. I encourage you to read about George Mueller. 1800s, he was a pastor who started his own uh, ministry to care for orphans in his house. They started housing, caring for orphans in England. And this ministry grew, and so they prayed, and it grew to about five houses being built to care for these orphans. And it happened because in their house got so large that their neighbors started to complain. Isn't that wild? People complaining. That's weird. I know you're caring for orphans, but you're too loud, right? No, well, people are people. Throughout the history of this orphanage, it's been estimated that 18,000 kids were cared for. It's amazing. 
But what's more amazing to me is that he never asked for money or canvassed believers for support. He trusted God would provide for him when he needed it, and God did. One of the most amazing stories that uh, has been told was during breakfast one morning for these kids, and they didn't have any breakfast. So what did they do? They prayed. He prayed. They prayed. And it says, soon after, a nearby baker brought bread to the orphans, stating how God had laid a burden upon his heart to bring fresh bread. Imagine that. A little time after that, the milkman arrived, asking if the orphans could use some fresh milk since his truck had broken down. God had provided for the orphans for breakfast. This, was, this is what defined George Mueller's life as a person of prayer because God provides. When Mueller found himself in a hopeless, helpless situation, he remembered God's faithfulness. And he prayed and trusted. To which he has this quote. He says, If the Lord fails me this time, it will be the first time. If the Lord fails me this time, it'll be the first time. Do we trust in the Lord like that? Where's our confidence in? Because the unthinkable, the unforeseeable, the unimaginable will happen. And fear will have the temptation to creep in. What do you do at that moment? We tell you what to do. Take it, grab it, cast it out. Remember God's faithfulness and his promises that he is faithful to you, that he is with you, and he will always be with you no matter what you go through. And our trust is in him and ourselves. So fight the temptation to trust in ourselves, our own goodness, our own thoughts, and pursue the Lord. Trust in him and let him move, act, and provide in the way that he can. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. Do you trust him? Do you trust him in everything? Sometimes we need to remember what he did and how faithful he was in our lives in rescuing us from ourselves. Once we were all dead in our sins and trespasses, but God, being rich in his grace and mercy, saved us from ourselves. Do you remember that moment in your life? Looking back, do you see how God's changed you and shaped you? And maybe if you don't believe, maybe it's time to remember all the coincidences that has happened in your life. Right? I had a lot of coincidences before I came to faith at age 20. And when I look back now as a believer, I see God's fingerprints on my life. God always put people in my, in my path, provided in a ways. I was raised in an abusive environment, hopped from house to house, and yet I was always with families that cared well and would bring me to church from time to time. Imagine that. But looking back, I saw how God orchestrated those events. I learned a lot from them. I grew a lot through them. But God was faithful in what he did through those times I didn't even know he was working. And so if you have not put, put your faith in Jesus, start remembering what your life has looked like. And I know it hasn't been all roses, right? It hasn't been all puppies and kitten, kittens. I, I, I realize that. But God's been faithful. You know it or not. 
And so I invite you, one, we're going to respond like we do every day, every Sunday. I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're going to sing a closing worship song. I want you to respond to what God's doing in your life. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to give you some time to respond in prayer to what the Holy Spirit is prompting because there's only one teacher in this room right now, and it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. You respond to what he has you to do. And listen to me. Jesus is faithful. You see, what Jesus did for us is something we could not do for ourselves. You see, the the man who had no consequences because he was sinless, perfect, traded places with us because we had consequences, because we are sinful, all of us. So trading places with us, he took the consequences for our sin so that whoever would believe that Jesus the Son of God, perfect, lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't, to die the death that you and I deserve, to pay the consequence for our sin. Whoever believed that that blood counted for you, the Bible says you are now saved. You are a new creation. God's wrath has passed over you because it was placed squarely on Jesus. When Jesus says, why, God, have you forsaken me? He was feeling the wrath of God for the penalty for your in my sin. So if you're tempted to think, how can God be so loving with everything that's going on in this world? Look at Jesus. That's how God can be so loving. Paying the price for your sin and my sin, Jesus died and rose again so that whoever would trust in him alone will have eternal life, and that life starts right now and lasts forever, and you need it, and I need it. And I desperately Desire for you to know this Jesus personally because he is so good and he is faithful. So I'm going to pray for us and I invite you to respond. And after we pray, we're going to sing, but listen, I want you to respond to what God's doing. So maybe you need to keep praying. Maybe you need to grab someone and pray together. We'll have a prayer team over here to pray with you as well. Or maybe you do just sing and worship because God is worthy because he's faithful. So let me pray for us and invite you to pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for this, this week that we get to look forward and look forward to your faithfulness on full display. Help us in this moment to look back at the course of our life and see your fingerprints all throughout it. Help us to look back and see your faithfulness all throughout our life. Whether we knew it or not, whether we denied it or claimed it, help us to see how you have moved. And Lord, moving forward, help us to not miss those moments when you are just intervening directly in our lives, help us not to miss what we call coincidences of your goodness and your grace and your providing in ways that we couldn't even ask or imagine. Lord, when those moments come that are unforeseen, unimaginable, they don't make sense, 
How could you use these at any level, Lord? Let us remember that you are faithful and that you're a good father. And Lord, right now, if there's anyone that has yet to put their trust in you alone, their faith in you alone as Lord of their life, surrendering all they are and all that they have to you because you alone are worthy, I pray that you just move in their hearts and minds in this moment. Help them see your goodness and your grace and your patience and your kindness and your gentleness and how you desire all to come to you, to know you and be known by you. And that's where the hope rests. That's where our security is. So right now, I ask as we move forward from this morning into this new day, this new week, that you give us a revived boldness to follow you, to trust in you. Come what may, you are faithful. And you always will be because you're unchanging. Let our confidence be in you. Father, we pray this in the name that's above every other name. That is the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.